0: Welcome to the PHNX Coyotes podcast, brought to you by the one and only DraftKings Sportsbook app, America's top-rated sportsbook app. Don't forget to hit that like button, subscribe wherever you get your podcasts, and leave us a five-star review. I'm Leah Merrill. Craig and I are in Phoenix. Petey is in Denver, but no longer in a parking lot. He seems to be in the comfort of a hotel room. How's everyone doing on this fine Thursday?
1: I'm cooler than you guys, I think. I don't know. Is it hot there again?
2: Yeah, it's hot. It's, it's not as bad the last few days as it was. We had a, a pretty bad heat wave where we were up over 110.
1: Yeah, and I don't want to rub it in, but today um, we have a staff outing today, and we're going to the baseball game At 1 o'clock. Oh. We're, we're going to Coors Field, 80 degrees. No <laughs> I just, I literally didn't even know. I don't know who they're playing, didn't look, don't care. Hot dogs, beer, chips. Yep. Mm. I said, Some good up. breweries there. in that area, buddy. Yeah. So I'm 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 kind of excited. I'm you know, I like my baseball, so I'm looking that forward to it. Sounds like suffering.
0: your per- that literally sounds like your perfect day.
1: Yeah, I'm pretty excited. Needed need a need a day away from hockey. It's been hockey, hockey, hockey. And let's talk about more hockey.
0: Yes. They're playing the Guardians, by the way. I just looked it up. <laughs> <laughs> Formerly Cleveland. Yeah, Cleveland
1: Yeah, and a big American yeah. league. That's a big American League Central foe chasing the Minnesota twins. So the two and a half games back of the Twins in the Central,
2: so it's a big game. Talk about that big name for just a second. The I Guardians changed the name finally, yeah. but how'd you arrive at Guardians? When I think of Cleveland, do I think of? <laughs> no, uh, but I, I, well, to be fair, I don't think a lot of positive thoughts when I think about Cleveland. So.
0: <laughs> <laughs> but got to be something better than Guardians, right? Yeah, just like the Washington Commanders, it's like horrible. There's so many things they could have done. Anyway, well, that could literally be a whole episode by itself, but that's not what we're here to talk about today. Um, we're here to talk about Tempe in the arena. Woohoo! Oh, our- arena. <laughs> Can
1: we just rewind and play one of the other shows, or is this one going to be different?
0: No, it's going to be different because okay. Craig actually had the chance to speak with um, the mayor of Tempe and the vice mayor for an article that was published on gophnext.com today, a really lengthy, informative Q and highly, highly, highly recommend reading it. We won't give away all what's in there, but um, kind of just address some talking points that have come up since the city council meeting happened. And over these couple weeks and even some things that came up when we had Javier Gutierrez on our show on Monday. So um, we'll just kind of talk about that and what needs to happen between Right now, whatever day it is, June 16th, and getting this deal done, hopefully. So, Craig, I'll let you kick us off, or if you have any just major takeaways from talking to the two of them. Yeah, I think that's
2: it. I mean, I, I think everyone, everyone knows the major talking points uh, at this point, uh, all the things that are going to have to be negotiated before they they reach an agreement. And and that's where we are. We're at the start of negotiations. Um, the mayor told me he thought it was important that this get to this point, that, that they at least listen, they, they get this out in the open. He also wanted residents to have some time to look at the deal themselves, because there are stakeholders in this, obviously, is particularly the nearby residents, but really all residents of Tempe. So I thought that was the responsible a- a- approach to take with this. You need to put this out before all of the stakeholders and let them assess it. Um, as I wrote in the lead of the story, though, I, I thought that there was a lot of concern about this, this uh, proposal before that meeting. The whole tenor of it changed for me after that meeting, and I got the sense that it changed for a lot of people, including council members, after the Kaites were finally allowed to state their case. One of the key talking points that that both the mayor and vice mayor discussed is the airport. And before we had heard, you know, height restrictions, all that, it, it seems like the city of Phoenix, um uh, Sorry, I meant Sky Harbor International Airport. Did I say the city of Phoenix? Oh, wow. <laughs> um, <clears throat> yeah, back off those uh, you know, those height restrictions. oh, it's too high. No, it's not. There's there's no issues there. The cranes aren't an issue. There's gonna be one crane that's up beyond the, you know, piercing. I can't even remember what that threshold. You'd think I would have this term down. <laughs> but for like 21 days, and there have been other construction sites that have been sort of, I guess you would say, in violation of that for far longer and at a much greater height. So I don't think that's an issue anymore. The one sticking point that Sky Harbor officials brought up was multi-residents, multi-family residents along the Salt River. Um, It was interesting to hear. The vice mayor said, well, it's certainly a lot muddier than Sky Harbor made it out to be ahead of time. And then the mayor just came out and said, after reading the IGA, the intergovernmental agreement between Tempe and Phoenix, I have a completely different interpretation of it. I think that multifamily homes are allowed here by reading it. And, and that's what Nick Wood, the Coyotes attorney, was saying all along. And if you've been listening to our show, he have been telling you all these issues that Sky Harbor has <laughs> been raising are non-issues. They're not true. And and I don't think they have a legal case. And I've talked to other people in the legal profession who don't think they have a legal case either. So It sounds like Tempe, just like the Coyotes, is fully ready to go ahead with building multifamily residences along the Salt River. And finally, as the mayor said, they're already there. Like right next to the Tempe Center for the Arts is the the Hayden Ferry development. So those residents are all happy. In fact, they came out in support of the RFP. They wanted to go forward with it. So neither Tempe nor the Coyotes sees this as an issue. And I quite frankly think legally, Sky Harbor doesn't have a leg to stand on.
1: Yeah, it's you know what, Craig. The, the what I my biggest takeaway from the article is, is the the response of the mayor, and his saying, "Hey, if we don't, I, my intent was to pass this along the entire time. Like we it doesn't mean we're building a building. It doesn't mean we're clearing the site. It just means, hey, we want people to do this. We want to do this out in the open. We want people to see what's going on. We want to see the the residents of Tempe see what what the Coyotes are are thinking about, what their plan is, what their proposal is. If it died in that meeting." people, there's so many questions, so many questions of what, or what it could have been now it's out there, but I also took away from it. It ain't done yet. Like this is where their shovels aren't in the ground. And the one, the really big takeaway for me was when you asked what was the time frame, and the time yes. frame <laughs> concerned me because I was hoping, Hey, August, maybe, maybe we'll get to a vote in September at the latest right before the season. And they're like holidays end of the year. Yeah. Like, Good grief, does that push the building off another year? That, that concerned me. That's a long, long way away.
0: It concerned me, but at the same time, it was nice to finally have an answer about a timeline. <laughs> like When I read that, I was actually excited because we've been wondering this for so long. And it's funny, I think in one of our preseason shows from last year we said oh like how long do you think before there's a decision on tempe and we were like three months six months like not a year and a half um but you know one of them did say hopefully in october the one thing is the coyotes do have that option for a fourth year at asu so there is like a little bit of a safety net there if the construction doesn't could start until a little bit later. I was just happy to have my expectations managed on a timeline.
2: And I get it in a way why Tempe is going to take its time. Look, it it I I I wondered why it took so long to actually finally have this meeting. You you would have thought that they uh, might have gotten to this a little sooner. But listen, a, a municipality has a lot of responsibilities, city staff has a lot of responsibilities. So it is what it is, but when you're talking about a 2.1 billion dollar project, there's a lot of bridges to cross. There are a lot of details to check in on. So, you, you, from a from a city standpoint, I get it. You don't want to rush this. You got to make sure that you're you're checking into every issue. And then again, you have to have it up for the public as well to view. That there has to be pu- uh, uh, the opportunity for public comment. Sometimes, as we know, that's not always a good <laughs> thing in these city council meetings. I, I almost feel like you should you should be vetted before you get to comment publicly. But it is what it is. So. That's why they have the fourth year. We'll see. I I don't know how long the land remediation would take if it did go through, but could they possibly fast track this and still get it done in three years? I don't think it's out of the question. I mean, uh, again, uh, Alex Morello has done this before. He owns his own construction company. There's, there's, there's some, there's some things to think about. We we just don't know the answer to that yet, but if it does get approved by the end of the season, at least like you guys said, we have some finality. We know it's either going to be three or four years.
1: And you also think that that once you get the the go-ahead, if it does happen, it's the remediation of the land first, and then they're getting cranking on the arena. I mean, the big plan of all the shopping and housing and all of those things, they're not going to be there day one. I mean, that's yeah. gonna be that's gonna evolve over time, and that may be years before it sees the entire master plan of what this is going to be. It could be an arena all by itself for a while, and guess what? That's okay. Um, because that's what needs to happen first. So I I still think it's, you know, is it three? Is it four years? Good grief. I I, I, don't, know. I, don't, so know. Yeah, I don't know. That's so far away. I don't know
2: so far. Why do we I don't know why there's such a mental blocker that why it seems such a dramatic difference between 3 and 4 but it it does to me like it, it it matters a lot whether it's 3 or 4.
0: I think it's a lot of it has to do with I don't know this is just my interpretation is the perception like the, the coyotes are playing in ASU it's like oh but it's only temporary that's kind of okay. You know, it's not like they're playing there forever. So you have a timeline. so three years, it's like, okay, three years is doable. It's in the rebuild window. That fourth year, that team might be competitive. <laughs> and the, we've been saying again and again the whole timing of the rebuild, you know, and the development of all these draft picks over the next two seasons and the and then the build the new building, they'll intersect at the perfect time, and it'll be a great team and a beautiful new building. If it goes that extra year, that might that serendipitous moment might not happen.
2: The mm. playoff hockey is very problematic in that arena. That's true. It's yeah. very problematic. Petey, you know, you see all the setup for, for media, etc. I don't know how they do it. I honestly yeah. don't know how they do it. Well, they can't. So <laughs>
0: <laughs> also when Petey... when P-
2: Playoffs in year four and they're still yeah.
0: there. Yeah. yeah. I think that's a concern. Um, when PD was talking about, oh, it might just be the arena. Nothing else I wanted to say. You mean Bizarre Meats <laughs> won't be open?
1: Uh, yeah. Here. Espo and his Bizarre Meats <laughs> won't be open until year two.
2: Uh, one can only hope.
0: Take it. I wanted to go there on opening night. Well, a few other
2: points that came out of this. And listen, this is one we talked about as well. It's funny to read people's comments saying, oh, this is in a good location. It's not accessible. I'm like... Have you have you tried to get to United Center? Have you tried to get to some of these other NHL arenas that are like right in the middle of a city off city streets? And it's it's just brutal getting in and out of some of these places. This is a far better location than a lot of NHL arenas enjoy. Madison Square Garden is another one. Not easy to get to, although they have public transit uh, this good as well. I don't mind the location so much in terms of being right off the 202. I think it's a pretty good location. What what the uh, mayor and vice mayor talked about, you know, you have to you have to do traffic impact studies. You have to figure out how traffic is moving in and out of this area. You don't want a situation where it's all spilling into a residential neighborhood and that's creating a bad situation for people with homes there. That's that's something that they're going to have to look at obviously. Yeah, but I think that, that that's what this Moving the RFP along does. it gets? Let's answer the
1: questions. Is it going to affect traffic? Well, yeah, of course. Like there's tens of thousands of people are going to be driving into a, a location all at once. It's going to affect traffic. Like big surprise. But to how much, to what extent, what can they mitigate it with? Um, do they have solutions for better egress and getting people in and out? Yeah, I, I think that has to be a part of it. But there are going to be traffic issues no matter what they do. And unfortunately, it's going to be part of it. And the, the one thing I was curious to see what you thought, Craig, is about what the Tempe residents, you, you always hear about not in my backyard, not in my backyard. How do you think this is going to play out with the residents that are living nearby now?
2: Well, it's interesting because I had heard so much about the opposition and all those robo emails that they were getting, the basically the same email. There was a very concerted effort by a certain group. But then when you got to the meeting itself... I expected a lot more opposition than I heard. I mean, you guys, you guys watched it as well. To be honest, I came away from that meeting thinking, wow, wow, Tempe residents, I I think actually support this thing when it's all said and done, there's always going to be those NIMBYs and their, their, their concerns have to be listened to if they're legitimate concerns, like we're talking about with traffic and noise. But I, I came away from it thinking the opposition is not as great as it was made out to be in terms of Tempe residents.
0: The mulch, though.
2: <laughs> the mulch.
0: <laughs>
2: <laughs> These are words that should be on our bingo card if we ever do uh, PHNX Coyotes bingo. <laughs> mulch from bizarre meets.
0: Um, another, well, speaking of the opposition, a, a group that really made their voices heard at that meeting was union workers and yeah. you had the chance to ask um woods and keating about unions and they seemed very open to it
2: they're both supportive of i think union labor or skilled labor and and i don't think the coyotes are opposed to that either um as as uh i think it was the mayor that that noted that javier gutierrez said alex Moreau multiple businesses of his already use union labor you know you you're talking about costs there right when you use union labor, it's going to be more costly. But they're a very powerful lobbies. case. I have mentioned them before, the hospitality workers. They're lobbying very hard on this. They want their people in there. So there are going to have to be some concessions there as well. I don't think it's a deal breaker, though. I think the Coyotes are open to that sort of thing. I, I honestly think the Coyotes are pretty much open to whatever it takes to get this thing done. So I I, I think union workers, is not it's not a stumbling block, to be yeah. honest.
1: It's something Morello's dealt with in, in his previous businesses. This is nothing new. It's a part of the negotiations. It's part of creating new businesses in new areas. So I, I don't think this is going to be much of a big deal.
0: And yep. the other the other thing that came up was, and we brought this up with Javier Gutierrez on Monday, but um, Alex Morello's financials, because there was a report um, shown at the meeting, and I think there was a lot of surprise. But what Javier said both to us and at the meeting and what um, the mayor and vice mayor said to you, Craig was like, there's just going to be full transparency. No one's trying to hide anything. So I think if there are any concerns, the city of Tempe can take that up among themselves because it's not like the coyotes are hiding anything. Yeah.
2: they've, they've, They've offered to open up their books to Tempe. So that's a, that's a show of good faith. That's the sort of thing that you need to do. And both the mayor and vice mayor said, we intend to hold them to that. You would expect so with a, a deal this big. Um, I don't know what to make of that report, to be honest. I don't know enough about how those numbers were arrived at. I wonder if the Coyotes' failure to pay a lot of bills in the past has impacted their rating there. I, I, I honestly don't know. Um, hopefully, on, on that point that I just mentioned, hopefully the Coyotes have learned their lesson on that front. Look, I don't think this is... This is unique to, to Alex Morello's businesses. I think this happens all over the business world where when you have debts, especially when you inherit contracts that you didn't sign yourself, you try to renegotiate those things. You try to, to pay less because you don't like the contract. My dad was in business. This has happened to him all the time where, where the people that owed him money would not necessarily pay him money, and then there would be a negotiation. So unfortunately, it's an, it's an ugly side of business. The problem is when you're in professional sports – you have intense media scrutiny. So every one of these decisions to maybe not pay on time or not pay as much as what was owed or whatever, it gets scrutiny and it, it doesn't help your reputation. And when you're trying to build partnerships, you're trying to build a good reputation in the city. It's just not the way you go about it in professional sports. So hopefully they've learned their lesson on that front.
1: Yeah. A couple of things though. First of all, with the Dun & Bradstreet report saying they can get a $5,000 yeah. credit line, buddy, I can get that. Like, you yeah. have you seen my bank account? Well, you haven't, but it's not, it's not that good. Um, but, but beyond that, I, you talk about their business and, and how they've run their businesses. I I don't doubt, and I don't know this, that I don't doubt that they take things up to the limit as most businesses do. If it's net 90, you pay it 90 or 95. Like, but you don't get to the point where you're having issues like they did with the city of Glendale. And that was, I'm going to be honest. I, I thought Javier's explanation made sense to me. I know this, they've had a history from the athletic report of paying things later or trying to negotiate bills. I've seen that. I've heard that. But in this particular instance with the city of Glendale, I don't believe for one second that they were going, hey, we're not going to pay our taxes. We're not going to pay our taxes. What are they going to do? I don't believe that for a second. I think the second they were aware of it, they wrote the check. I really, really believe that. Maybe I'm naive. Maybe I'm not aware of how that all works. But I believe that they did not intentionally um, miss their tax payments to the point where it got in the media. I really if there was like Javier said, if they would call them. The whole thing would have been resolved. There was just no communication. And that's part of the relationship that's grown over time between the two parties. Yep. I get all that. They are they're a business and they're going to take advantage of whatever they can to 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 prolong their business and hold on to their money as long as they can. I, I don't think that's new. Now, to your point, Craig, in a public forum like a pro sports team is we all agree they're going to have to improve that part of it a little bit because they can't have this bad will going into these deals and they can't have that bad will with the city of Tempe that they had with the city of Glendale. So hopefully, I hate to say it, learn their lesson or hopefully that they're past that um, and and it's much more transparent and everything gets done on time. And I think you've seen that with ASU. I don't think you've seen any issues so far to this point with the deal with ASU and then and the new annex that's being right. built and all of those things. You haven't heard anything about any financial issues there and they're building and they're moving forward. So that's an encouraging sign moving forward with, with the two parties.
2: With regard to finances too. And you're, you're right. You, you alluded to this Glendale definitely used, used that to to paint a certain picture and I get it. That's, that's the game, right? That, and that is indicative of the, the how the relationship with the city of Glendale has deteriorated over the years there. There have been a lot of bad, bad actors on both sides of the coin. Again, I want to stress this, at both sides of it, right? The recent narrative that Glendale is just a poor victim, you haven't been following the story, do your homework. Um, but in terms of financial reporting, I'm never comfortable really making any sort of or, or doing any sort of analysis or takeaways from, from that information. And, and it, it bothers me. I know I'm getting a little esoteric here, but it bothers me when sports writers dive into that stuff and 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 have conclusions if if you're not a financial writer if you really don't understand finances you probably shouldn't Wade into those waters. It's a lot like medical writing. There's a lot of there's a lot of bad analysis that comes out of it because you really don't understand what it is you're seeing. So if you're gonna if you're gonna dive into Alex Morello's finances, you should probably then go to a financial expert to have them explain it to you rather than just laying it out there and letting people reach conclusions, a lot of which might be off base.
0: Absolutely. Um, One more note before we move on the possibility of further partnership with ASU and ASU potentially using the new arena for a much needed new basketball home um, for one. And that's just something that has been thrown out there. It's not confirmed by any means, but um, Craig got to ask the mayor and vice mayor about that as well. And I think you know, it's pretty generic response like that everyone's open to it, but the relationship between when you, ASU and Tempe in my mind at least are pretty synonymous. You know, they're, I
2: mean, they're A- it's the largest employer by far in, in exactly
0: Tempe. so so it, for me, just then this is my opinion, like it only makes sense to continue that partnership, especially given the situation the Coyotes are in with ASU right now and that they're going to have this partnership for three to four years and that we just talked about. It does seem to be a healthy relationship so far, you know, and the Coyotes are once they leave that building have done all these amazing renovations, put all this money into their multipurpose arena. So you know, like I just feel like it's laying the groundwork for a future partnership in that building as well.
2: Yeah, I wonder, you know I, I wonder really what ASU's public stance would be on this entire deal, but I, I I don't know this for sure I'm gonna ask, but I don't get the sense that we're really going to hear ASU take a position until they get farther down the road. I, I, I think there are a lot of questions that need to be answered before ASU puts its neck out there. but I, I think the council would love to know, What ASU thinks about this whole thing, and look, I'm the one who reported that the ASU men's and women's basketball programs have at least had that conversation about using this building. But until there's a deal, I don't, I, I don't think that ASU is really going to take much of a public stance on this. They have to be very careful. Again, I'll try, I'll try to get more more sense from ASU of how they feel about this whole thing because they are. They're a major player in Tempe. They they do have a voice and they have a lot of influence. So it, it would be good to know what they think of it. I I think we already have some indication that they're allowing the Coyotes to use the multi-purpose arena, and their their relationship with the Coyotes has been very good. So maybe that's some indication. But we're we're talking about a much bigger bigger project here, obviously.
0: Yep. PD, any thoughts or no? Nope. Well, Okay,
2: Chris <laughs> got Chris's got the whole
1: ASU, the ASU thing covered. I'm, that's good. I'm ready to see some ASU hockey. I'll tell you that. Like yeah, that, that's that cool. I'm more excited for. I'm going to yeah. talk about ASU.
0: super, super excited to see both Kai's hockey and ASU hockey in that building. and who knows maybe one day playoff hockey although hopefully we will not in that building we'll see playoff hockey in the uh, the new arena um should it pass should it come to pass but we'll continue to um talk about the arena and the negotiations with Tempe as it happens we'll have it all here firsthand at gophnx.com craig has been doing extensive reporting on this for months and we have had Tons of coverage. So become a member at gophnext.com. Support us and the work we do, and not just Coyotes coverage there, but coverage of all of the Arizona sports as well. And draft content coming soon, including today, more exclusive interviews with Coyotes first round picks. Marty Hansel interview will drop today, Um, and another one, which I won't reveal. We'll just leave one as a surprise. Um, But we have those dropping weekly. We also have prospect breakdown videos with expert analysis dropping weekly. These videos are for members only. So, become a member today. I go phnx.com. Sign up for an annual membership. Get a shirt from the locker when you do, or sign up for month to month and get your first month for just fifty cents. Join our family. Join our members only Discord. Um, we appreciate everyone who already is. It's it's a blast in the Discord every single day. And we talk about. Like, not just Coyotes hockey, we've been talking a lot of playoff hockey in there as well. Um, and now we're going to talk some more playoff hockey <laughs> because there was a game last night. Um, game one of the Stanley Cup final, the Colorado Avalanche won in overtime. I, the Colorado looked amazing at, at the start. Like, the first 10 minutes of that game, I said, Oh no, <laughs> Colorado looks good. And by the way, I was getting roasted in the all-city slack, which if you two aren't in, you need to get in so you can come defend me. We got called out for because all of us unanimously picked Tampa. the Tampa Bay Lightning to win. So DNVR came in there, and and by the way, Sean and Shane on bets took Tampa Bay to win the series, also. So Not it was weird. across the board we all picked the lightning. So we were getting dragged. By DMER, like, hello, why aren't you supporting us? And I said, I've been saying that I'm cheering for the Avalanche, but I'm picking the Lightning. And I will say, Greg from CHGO came to my aid and said, I just can't pick against a team that hasn't lost a playoff series in, you know, almost three full years. And that's exactly how I felt. And it came to life last night when – The Tampa Bay Lightning came back and tied the game. And I said, This is exactly why I couldn't pick against them. So sorry for my little ramble there. But you're
1: right, Leah, though. But (laughs) you look at this game last night, and if not Vasilevsky making a few more saves that he made in the last series, Tampa Bay wins this game, even though they're desperately outshot, they're outshot 38 23. Stimper, Kemper stops 20 out of 23 shots. His save percentage is at 870 for that game. Pretty solid for his first game in 15 days for him. Let's see if that grows and he becomes a little more steady. I don't know if that was his best performance, but it absolutely wasn't Vasilevsky's best performance. Absolutely mm. not. And I thought the Tampa Bay Lightning team from last night looked like the Tampa Bay Lightning from game one against the Rangers. I thought they were missing passes. I thought they were unable to get to the inside. I didn't think they had good scoring chances. I didn't think Kucherov and Stamkos had their best game. Hedman wasn't as an effective player as he's been throughout this playoff series. So maybe they continue to grow like they did in the Rangers series, or maybe, you know what? They're just damn tired because they played more hockey than any other team in the National Hockey League over the last three years. And Colorado can continue to roll past them. Honestly, I don't know, but the the Colorado speed definitely was there last night. Makar McKinnon, their speed was evident. Can Tampa stop or slow down that speed? And more importantly, can Tampa get their power play going? I thought uh, Colorado's penalty kill was outstanding, killing all three um, uh, power plays by the Tampa Bay Lightning Getting shooting lanes very aggressive. There's a lot of things that are going to need to change for Tampa if they're going to want to get back in the series.
2: PD, I wanted to ask you a question, but first off, on the goaltending, completely agree with you. We're going to see better Andrea Vasilevsky. Can we see better Darcy Kemper? That could be a, a critical turning point in this series. I don't think we're going to see performances like that from Vasilevsky as this series stretches along. In terms of adjustments, what does Tampa need to do to adjust? And what is your sense of John Cooper's reputation in that regard? We, we've heard a lot about some of the, like Joel Quenville was a great bench coach, right? Could could make incredible adjustments. What's Cooper's reputation and what does Tampa need to do? You know, I, I think that, that
1: Cooper can make adjustments, but one thing Kemper, uh, Kemper, excuse me, Cooper has done is he's, tempered the emotions here. We lost a game. We lost one game. We've been here so many times before. This team has the confidence. He instills the confidence in the process more so than the X's and O's, what do they need to do? They need to transport the puck between the blue lines. They couldn't do that last night at all. And you look at two of the Colorado goals came directly off turnovers, um, one inside the zone and one just outside the blue line. They can't turn the puck over. And that means, you know what, sometimes you have to keep the puck out of the middle ice, chip it off the wall, dump it in and go get it and be happy with that. The other thing in the offense has done, they really – they've done a great job throughout this whole playoffs of getting pucks to the net and crashing the net and being effective around the crease. They couldn't get there last night to do that. What you got to do is you got to get the puck from down low in the zone, pass it back to your defenseman and let the defenseman start shooting. Now, when you do that, Colorado's going to have to come out and defend the shot. And when they do that, you're going to open up areas in behind and open up the slot. So look for Tampa tomorrow to get more shots from the point Kuchar, um, Sergachev and Hedman, look for them to be more active on the blue line um, in generating offense from the back end, which in turn will open up from the inside. And they're going to have to find a way to get Stamkos' shot available on the power play. To do that, you got to get somebody else hot on the power play. So Kucherov's going to have to be able to get shots through, which he didn't. Kucherov first, that'll open up Stamkos. But yes, I think they can make adjustments.
2: Is it going to be enough? Like, I I don't think that's the best Colorado can play either. And and I think they've got another gear. When you when you look at I mean, obviously, you'd like to enter the zone with control that the, the, all the numbers say that that's the better way to do things. But you, you talked about turnovers. What's the best way to attack the group of defensemen that Colorado has? Now, I'm, I'm not sure guys like Kale McCarr are are best at closing out and winning battles in the corners, but he's he's quick to retrieve pucks. Uh, when you look at that group as a whole, what what's maybe the best tactic for for trying to maintain offensive zone time? It's just what you said, and it, it, I hearken, I hark, Larkin, Dylan Larkin.
1: I, I hearken <laughs> back to the times when when the Coyotes played Nashville in the playoffs with their mobile, skilled defenseman Yossi Ellis. Maybe not to the to the level of McCar but the plan was get the puck in deep, and you had to bump them every single time you put the puck in the zone, and that was the the make them play two hundred feet. Don't try to carry it in a turnover at the blue line and now they're, they're they're shrinking the ring for them. Make them go behind the goal line every time they get on the ice. Make them skate more. Make them feel you when you get against the wall. Make sure you're putting a body on them every single time you dump the puck in. And that might not be effective game one. It might not be effective game two. But by game six, they're getting tired of going back and getting the puck and getting pounded into the glass. So it's 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 an effect that builds over time. I think the Tampa... They didn't get their forecheck going last night. They were able to do that against New York at times. I think you will look more to that tomorrow or excuse me, on Saturday, more dumps and trying to get a body on um, Colorado's defenders yeah, the below How the goal line. How do
2: you get fast, Petey, with it? Because those are mobile defensemen too. How do you get, you have to get there fast because they do retrieve pucks. Yep, You them. just and you don't let Kemper get to the puck. So it's soft chips, it's same side chips, it's dumps okay. just soft.
1: Like when you, when you talk about same side chips, you're just soft chip off the wall on the same side that you're attacking from. You're trying to land it in that trapezoid. The slower dumps are better. You get those hard rims that Kemper can handle or you get pucks that he can help get his defenseman moving you don't have a chance so you're yeah. going to have to get those soft same area chips try to get into that little corner areas and slow dumps or cross corner dumps to make the defenseman travel more distance to retrieve the puck
0: well whatever you think is going to happen on saturday block in your bets now um i always say the lines are ever changing on the DraftKings sportsbook app right now colorado is favored at home on the money line and the series Props have all changed, the uh consmythe odds have all changed, everything changes game by game by game. So you really gotta be on top of it based on what happens. Um, last night Sean texted me and Shane, and right literally right after Colorado won an overtime. Sean texted hammer the lightning uh to win the series <laughs> because you get you know, you get some better return money if you're successful. And we've seen Tampa lose game one um, before in these playoffs. So I don't think they should be counted out yet. I think that if they can make those adjustments and if Vasilevsky can be the Vasilevsky we know him to be, this is going to be a really interesting series. So be sure to check out the DraftKings Sportsbook app for all of your NHL playoff action as well as the NBA Finals um, continue. It can be one tonight actually um, which is exciting so possibly the last day to do this promotion which is to download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now use the promo code PHNX make any five dollar bet during the NBA finals and get $150 in free bets instantly that's promo code PHNX only at DraftKings Sportsbook an official sports betting partner of the NBA minimum age and eligibility restrictions apply see show notes for details and I don't know about you guys, well not Petey because he was working but I was enjoying a nice Four Peaks brew last night while watching the game it's hot outside but hockey is on the TV and nothing goes better to me than drinking a Four Peaks beer
2: Are you on on Peach?
0: Yeah, I mean you guys know I'm on Peach but I have that huge pack of the golden lager so I need to get into it I said I was going to drink it last night, I didn't but I will report back because I I love a, a golden beer.
1: Yeah, I, I, clearly no I longer. am not. All over my four peaks. I was home for 24 hours and I had I had a couple then. I can't, like, this is honestly not fair. Literally not fair. The longest I have traveled in the last two years is now when we signed four peaks. Are you kidding me? <laughs> God, it's almost on purpose. It's like a cruel joke. Can't wait to get home. I'm all about my four peaks. I am a guilt lifter guy and guilt lifter because I'm a skinny fat guy sometimes too. So Got <laughs> to go to the guilt lifter. Fewer calories, fewer carbs, um, just in case. Um, but can't wait. Four Peaks and
0: yep. Draft Show. Yes, um, we will be at 4 P- – or Petey and Sean will be at Four Peaks and the rest of the PHNX crew on July 7th at 4 p.m. for the PHNX Coyotes Draft official draft party. Be sure to get your tickets today at gophnx.com under the Events tab. It's going to be a blast. There's going to be special guests and, of course, all of the Four Peaks beer you can possibly drink. So be sure to RSVP for that today it's going to be amazing and as always four peaks is 21 and over enjoy responsibly uh all right any final notes before we head out today pd yeah, it's
1: where the cool coyotes fans hang out just so yeah you know. <laughs> oh i know we got competing things we'll talk about that later but yeah tomorrow tomorrow's show kind of excited as we're on this show i just got confirmation i will be live tomorrow from the DNVR bar. Oh, so awesome. So I'm making a trip down there. So I'll be doing our show there. And then I'm going to stick around for the ab show if they'll let me be on it. If Hopefully they haven't seen my prediction show. Um, <laughs>
2: yeah.
1: So, so I'm don't sure don't
0: venture I'll... into the All City Slack. I
1: know. Anymore. I know. So so that'll, that'll be fun. And it's things to come for um, PHNX and a PHNX bar down the road. And I'm really excited. And I'll see everybody from the DNVR bar tomorrow.
0: Awesome. Craig? I'm now, done. You... He's done. All right. Well, we'll be, like Petey said, we'll be back live tomorrow on the Peach Sports YouTube channel at 11 a.m. for our fun Friday show. We'll take a look at the rebuild path of the Tampa Bay Lightning and the Colorado Avalanche and kind of evaluate where the Coyotes have the potential to go. Let's have some hope on a Friday to round out the week. Um, everybody, thank you so much for listening. Be sure to like and subscribe and leave us a review wherever you get your podcasts. Follow us on Twitter at Peach Next underscore coyotes and follow phnx sports across all social platforms have a great rest of your thursday everyone i will see you tomorrow